0: You are listening to 2 plus 3 equals 6 with Tom and Jenna. I'm so glad it's come to this. Life has brought you here. (laughs) Some of the best parts of my life have started with tears. But sometimes when you hit your breaking point, emotionally, physically, you know, everything's crashing down that's when you can start to build something even better than what you ever imagined i kind of want to spend this this podcast talking about the difference between passionate pain and toxic pain and what you do with it and how it applies to relationships whether it's a blended family a a romantic relationship, a friendship, relationships with all family members. Because um, I guess what I'm learning is, is pain is present in all relationships and I guess I've run from so many of the relationships in my life, I never stuck it out to understand the difference, but, but I'm learning it now. Um, so the focus of this is how do you recognize the difference between a toxic struggle and a passionate one that's leading to something better. Um, And I'm not any kind of psychological expert. I'm just someone reflecting on my own experiences. In the last episode, we talked about anxiety and hitting our breaking point and some of our struggles with not being where we wanted to be with loving our stepkids. Um... And I hit my breaking point earlier that day when I was having some conversations with Tom. Some of it was postpartum anxiety where I'm going through all these mood swings, um, crying spells, (sighs) random drives to do, just get things done. I can't sit still. And then ebbs of creativity in there. Shame, whatever. Um... So, there's the breaking point of trying to fight your own mind at all times, the breaking point of how badly it hurts to feel like you have conflict with your partner, how badly it hurts to feel like you don't understand your partner sometimes, how bad it hurts to try to take care of yourself when you, when you literally can't, um, because you have an infant, a toddler, and several other children. So, um, Tom and I had a fight after the last podcast and it, and I was just crushed after, um, and it was a fight about the very things we were talking about, um, taking sides, uh, siding with, you know, our biological children. And, and in the past, when our kids have fought, it has caused fights between us that just hit, hit us hard, and sometimes ruin our weekends, and, and how we reacted to it in the past is, we'd get upset, we'd trigger each other, eventually, you know, kind of, we, we, we wouldn't really ever scream, we are not screamers, but we would exchange harsh words, have hurt feelings, and then sometimes one of us would try to talk about it, the other one would kind of shut down, and then we would just sort of ignore each other over the weekend, till, We broke down and couldn't take it anymore and tried to talk it out. And um, time is something that is, is Tom and I have precious little of. And I decided that I was done letting fights just ruminate. So there's a million thoughts in my mind, right? Like he, we had a fight um, when he had come home on a break from work to try to comfort me and it went south and I felt horrible. Um, and then I had the rest of the day to sit alone with an infant and a toddler, wondering how he felt, what he was processing, dealing with the anxiety of the situation, having a panic attack, and and I did different things. It's not about what I did to get through that moment, but I guess if anybody knows, um, if you're experiencing any kind of postpartum depression, anxiety. Um, there are phone numbers you can call for support. Um, I, I, and I called the closest, you know, friend that I have right now, which is a friend of my daughter's, just to help ground me, just to talk to someone, um, to feel understood. And I know that's a basic thing, but that's what I did. That's how I got through the day. But as the day went on, I started thinking more about my anxiety and my relationship with Tom. And I thought, okay, you know. I'm doing everything I can to work through this anxiety, trying to get an appointment with a therapist, working with my obstetrician to get medication and understand postpartum concerns better. I'm doing everything I can and I'm waiting, right? I'm waiting on my therapy appointment. I'm, I'm waiting on my postpartum hormones to regulate. And in the meantime, I'm trying to have this relationship with my partner and I'm trying to love all the children in my home to the best of my ability. And I can't do any more fights like this with my partner. I, I can't stand my, you know, my own mind right now. So what next? Um, how, what can I do so that we don't, because this ha- fight happened Friday morning. We knew we were having all the kids this weekend. So for me, it was like after the crying spells, talking to my friend, I hit a point where it was like, all right, I know that what I want, I, I'm in pain right now. I recognized that I was in pain, and the the toxic versus passionate will come later, explaining that more, but I I was in a lot of pain, and it's like, okay, what what can I do? What do I know now, and what is within my means to try to make it better, not solve all of our problems at once, but what can I do? And oddly enough, I thought of work, which I'm missing, Um, I'm a teacher. And so I want to continue this by talking about, well, start how I, how I felt I, I helped our night go better and how I felt we were growing, um, and how maybe Tom's not even aware of it, but things that he's said to me, pieces that he's said to me flowed through my mind in the past from conversations of, okay, how can I use some of those perspectives too? um, so I pieced together everything that I knew. I pieced together some knowledge and with the goal in mind of this weekend is going to go better. We're going to somehow manage conflicts between the kids better. We're going to all build relationships with each other better. And I sure as hell am not spending a whole weekend, kids or no kids, not talking with my husband. I'm just not doing that. I don't want to do that anymore. and so the pieces that, that went through, again, I thought about my job as my teacher. And I thought about something Tom said to me during one of our last fights. And he said, we're learning how to fight. We're learning about each other. We're learning how to do, do it better. Don't be afraid of fights. Because in my anxiety, I am terrified of fights. Because for whatever personal problems I have, fights always mean the end to me and so that's part of what I'm working through is knowing how to have conflict and so um instead of just not talking to him or us just going about our business it's like okay I want to learn from how we fought the last time we had all the kids together meaning Tom and I and I want to learn from how all the kids fought what's causing it how can we address it um And so I guess, like, before I, you know, before I get into the family part, I want to talk about the teaching part, which is, um, so I am a teacher and I've been, worked at a few different schools, um, you know, and, and the school that I'm at now is my favorite place I've ever worked. I teach 10th graders. I love it. Um, I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. Um. I have bad days there, but there is a drive there. There's a fuel to my creativity and to my anxiety, because that's the other thing I'm learning how to, how about now, too, is to accept myself and my anxiety and to see that it's not all bad. It's just about balance, because my anxious brain is also what helps make me creative and what helps make me get ideas. So when I first started at this job that I now love, this job that, I, that, that is never easy but gives me genuine joy and a sense of accomplishment and, and a sense of home, believe it or not. Um, my first day on that job, I had all these high hopes for my students. I was like, I'm gonna inspire them. I'm gonna you know, build relationships with them. I'm gonna show them that I care and I'm gonna be a mentor in their life and I'm gonna teach them how reading, because I teach English, reading and writing can give power to your voice. And the first day on that job, my students couldn't give two shits. It wasn't just one or two acting up a whole classroom full of 35 students all doing different bullshit. And and I'm going to be honest, just being assholes like they they were or what I perceived to be as assholes. Like they were just jump, you know, jumping on desks, flat out ignoring me. Like I was trying to, to like talk to these two girls about focusing on the lesson and they wouldn't look at me swearing at each other, saying racist things to each other. Um, like they really did not care. It was just a classroom of chaos. And I, and I ended the day in tears and went to the counselor's office, just like, what, what happened? I went into this with the best of intentions. I wanted to inspire them. I wanted to motivate them. I care about them. I care about building relationships with them. Why don't they want to listen to me? Why don't they, you know, why aren't they getting along with each other? Why aren't they just, you know, sitting in their desks and listening? And, and I, and I, I'm trying so hard and, you know, there were little bits and pieces here where like, okay, it's 35 students where the counselor said, yep, there's some things we can do here. You, you do happen to have all of the kids who kind of need the most support in this class and we could maybe break it up a little bit and put some of them in other classes. So there was some of that. Um, but she mostly just listened and said she was sorry. And so, you know, for for me, I just talked about how hurt I was ultimately because I was trying so hard to be a good teacher and they weren't listening. I felt that way as a parent. I was trying too hard. That's another thing Tom said when I was talking, when we, you know, I've been trying hard to keep the house clean, to, to buy shower curtains. There's the curtains again, that, that his daughters like to buy pizza that they like to, 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 Make sure I do all the dishes. Make sure, you know, make sure this place stays nice. And he said, well, maybe you should stop trying so hard. Because what I noticed is when I was sitting there cleaning the whole house, buying this pizza or buying the shower curtain or just whatever, and nobody noticed, I felt unnoticed and I felt like they did not care. And it was draining me. So that task for me was a toxic one. That was toxic pain. And Tom recognized that and said, don't try so hard. It was a similar thing in my classroom, where it was like, I was trying so hard to, you know, stand at the front of the classroom and have them all just listen to me quietly and be inspired by what I said day one. Well, they weren't. So what was the next step? Well, I talked with the school counselor. Some of the kids got moved out, which made it more manageable, right? Um, And in that sense, what's manageable, whole group of situations or do you have to divide some things? And so that'll come back later when we talk about managing the family conflict and dividing things. But basically, it's like there's some practical steps and then there's a okay. I had asked myself, why are these kids doing this? It's not about me. I was butt hurt because I took it personally. Because how could you not? Just like I took it personally with my stepkids when they didn't like the pizza that I bought them, or they didn't notice the shower curtain I bought for them, or they, th- or and, and were all the kids, not just my stepkids, threw their clothes on the floor, or just didn't care that I had spent all day cleaning, and and just threw shit everywhere. I was hurt by it. I was drained by it. It was toxic. Okay just like it was sort of toxic when I was trying to just stand at the front and expect the students to sit in their desks and listen, and they didn't. So I just had to ask myself on the job, number one, why am I here? Do I still wanna be here? This is only day two, am I motivated to still be in this? Or should I just quit? And at the job, I didn't quit after day one. And the reason is that I had something in me that that a passion where I wanted to see if I could make it work you know it was day one I was learning and I realized through talking to the counselor and just thinking about what the kids were doing whether it was joking with each other or you know yelling at each other or whatever you know all of it was attention seeking behavior they wanted to be seen And they maybe weren't, they didn't know me day one. They weren't used to this environment. They did not choose everybody in their class, right? They were thrown together with a dynamic of different people. But every single one of them, even the one or two quiet kids, wanted to be seen. They wanted to be heard. So then instead of me starting by talking, which I mean all teachers do have to give some direction... What I did is I slowly started building opportunities for kids to share their voice. And I started by sharing honesty and and sharing how I felt. You know, I said to them, the next day I said, listen, you have no reason to respect me. You don't know me, but I would like to get to know you. Yesterday was hard on me. This classroom isn't just about me, it's about you too. And I'd like the opportunity to educate you and to get to know you and to understand what you might have to say and to give you the power to say it. I gave a short speech and then I gave an assignment where they could journal down what's one thing that you want me to know about you. And then from there on out each one of them had an opportunity to express themselves and not just listen to my rules. and then from then on I continued to grow and, and then you know once they felt like they had an outlet for their voice and they had a role in the classroom and they weren't just sitting there listening to me it gave them a drive to want to contribute to the classroom it gave them a drive to want to contribute to the community you know they wanted to feel like they they were heard they wanted that attention they wanted to build um structure that comes back later with with something Tom said too. So I reflected on my job and since then I've been working at the school for 4 years now. Um it's been the best place of my life. There are days where I get sworn at there sometimes. There are days where I have to mediate conflicts. There are days where I'm hurt, but I've been there long enough and built enough relationships there that that it is a home. And I've seen how it can be a home and it's a drive for my creativity. I have a place in that community. I have discovered that how i use my creativity which is to help people find their voice and writing and reading and talking that's what i like to do is to help find creative ways for people to find their voice when i found that i had a part there and that i could get them to respond that way by just instead of standing there doing everything and expecting them to just listen to everything i do and see everything i do i gave them more responsibility and it's, it continues to grow as a teacher, you know, a teacher is the best worst, best and worst job you'll ever have, similar to being a parent, because you're never done growing, you're never done getting better, but you're also never done growing and getting better, so you have something that drives you, that motivates you, that that teaches you to be creative. So that's the story. So to this day, my job, and I've been a teacher for 10 years, you know, so I'm not brand new to the profession I still have a lot to learn but it's like I you know I'm growing but that's what keeps me in it is I have learned how to build a community there and each year I'm thrown together with 30 new individuals who don't know me not really different personalities different interests and I have to figure out how to make them all work now originally I didn't want to take my work home with me But I found that, you know, and figure out how to use the same thing with a blended family. But it's like, you know what? I've hit a point where I think that using some of these skills can help. So let me bring this back to the goals that I talked about. I don't want to fight with my partner over the weekend. I don't want it to be my kids versus his kids. It's okay to feel some of these hurt feelings and angry feelings, just like I do at work with some of my students Um, because you know what there were students who day one didn't know how I'd get along with them they did things that got under my skin fast forward several months sometimes a week I built some of the greatest bonds with them I just had to remind myself that it took time and that you know when you want to fast forward like I talked about in each episode hold on to the little victories so now, how do I apply that teaching to, to my home so that I don't fight with my partner, so that the kids all feel heard? Because part of their conflicts with every single one of them is that none of them were feeling heard. All of them were feeling disrespected in different ways. And so, including the parents, we were feeling disrespected as parents So by all of them in different ways. So what can I do so that we all have get positive attention so that we all are seen and heard and respected okay well let's start with the biggest issues tom pointed out that the kids are mean to each other they say rude things and they do um so that was because we can't tackle all the po- problems at once so what are the biggest ones the rude things they say to each other we have to address that what's the second biggest issue the messes they make because Tom and I spend time cooking, cleaning, picking up after them, getting upset and angry because there's, you know, shit all over the floor. Like, I, you know, you deep clean the bathroom and next thing you know, there's makeup and wadded up tissues or you vacuum the floor, pick up clothes. Two hours later, there's clothes everywhere. Nobody wants to live like that where they're constantly picking up after people. Like, who actually wants to do that? I know some people use cleaning as an outlet, but no, I'm sorry. That's not who I want to be. That is toxic. I am not going to live my life picking up after people. And Tom didn't want to live his life that way either. And these kids are old enough to take on some some of those responsibilities. The problem is, whenever we would ask them to clean up, it turned into a fight. It turned into that's her shirt that's her tissue it's not mine it's not fair she does this she did so it's like that's why we would we would just end up picking it up because it's like well shit we don't want to deal with that so it's like okay what do we do how do we solve that and how do we teach them to, to speak more respectfully so backtracking time is precious um i knew that before the weekend started that friday um Tom and I both needed to have conversations with the four girls about how they speak to each other. As he expressed before, we don't always get to talk about it beforehand, but I had this drive, I had this passion, the same passion that I just had this feeling, okay? And it felt like, like a good one. Maybe fueled a little bit by anxiety, cause I'm on X Games, but it felt like the right thing to do. My biological daughters, the 10 year old and the eight year old got home from school at 2:30, and i was alone with the baby tom was at work his daughters were still at school and so i had about a two hour window before everybody was going to be home and i thought you know maybe i'm just going to speak to them because it's okay we don't all have to talk to each other at the same time about this family issue we are still blending we're still getting to know each other and it's okay to maybe just have a separate conversation because I was scared of that. I was like, well, if we do it separately, we're just going to be more separate. But, but but, it wasn't that way. It's like, no, nope, it's okay. We can address this separately. Then we can address it together. And one day maybe we can address everything together. So I sat down with my two daughters and addressed the biggest conflicts that come up. And I won't get into the details of those conversations because I emotionally can't take it, but also for their privacy. But basically, behind every that's unfair or every deflection, because my my daughter's biggest struggles, I think, are one of them is very loudly voices when something's unfair and is quick to react when she feels wronged. The other one deflects and doesn't listen a lot and just wants to avoid it. Um... So I was able to talk to them about why do you get so upset when so-and-so uses your stuff? Why do you feel that this is so unfair? What's the problem? Because I was talking about how, you know, about sharing and how we need to share and all these things. I said, why do you think it's unfair? And learned that there was a deep-seated issue with one of my daughters. Um, And I'm just going to say it. This is the only one who doesn't go to a split who isn't in a split household so if anybody's in a situation where you do have a blended family and there's a child who who came with a single parent who doesn't go to another parent this particular child was feeling like things were unfair because everybody else in the family had stuff elsewhere um and And she didn't because the other parent wasn't present in her life. I know, and that's as deep as I'll get into it. And she started crying, um, which made me then cry. And um, how, to, how I validated that was I told her I was sorry. I said, that hurts. That has to hurt so badly. And I, I, I can't change that situation, but I'm doing my best to 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 build something safe for you now. And you have two people here now who love and care about you, who want to build something safe for you. So, so, I, I we can't give all the conversations as examples, but but I will say like, even if it's ten minutes to try it when you find it, whether that's in the car before every you know, try to get at the root of the issue. People just want to feel seen. There's always something bigger behind conflicts, and sometimes people are just jerks. Like that does happen, but for the big blowouts, usually. And the big issues that keep coming up over and over again, and with this kid over and over again, it's unfair, unfair, unfair. There was a bigger problem, and so addressing that, I I learned that what she needed was to feel that that she she has, you know, she needed to. Address that she feels different because of that and she needed maybe some things that that were just hers and we leave it at that and we find a place for that so it's not there's no confusion over people grabbing it but I guess to move on one-on-one conversations like that are where it started and I know Tom had some with his daughters and he may or may not choose to share that later but I wanted to share at least one to make the point um that one-on-one conversations help to understand what's underneath all the behaviors and then once i kind of got at the heart of the issue i just brought it back to the bigger piece of everybody just wants to feel cared about and seen and to feel like they belong in this house so what do we do next um I shared with Tom that I had those conversations and said, you know, I I talked with these two. So if you want to talk with the twins on your on your way to get them, maybe that's the best way to do it. So we're not all talking over each other. He had the same he had. I, I don't know what his conversation was, and I'm okay with not knowing. But the point is, we both had conversations. And then when everybody came together that night. They were more mindful of their behavior towards each other. And I'd have to say that in that, like, they were more careful about what they said. Um, Nobody did it perfectly, but everybody was more considerate of people's feelings and was in general better about, like, asking things nicely and not accusing, because that's just what happens with siblings and households, right? And even adults' accusations. So it was a step, right? Right because they had the space to, to talk about it. So the next thing I said was, you know, um, I, I felt like at dinner I could address the bigger issue of cleaning up and how we were going to spend, you know, cleaning up after dinner and that night. And so, number one, we talked to them individually, helped them feel understood, helped them understand how their behavior influenced others, and gave gentle reminders as the conversation went on. So I'm going to, you know, I felt a little bit that night at dinner like I was this football coach constantly tailing my players like oh, monitoring the behaviors, trying to let them talk but also monitoring cuz that's I mean that's kind of what it is. Is like you help people ease into it and eventually you get to a point where you can back off. So it was sort of comical cuz Tom's sitting in the kitchen you know making dinner and I'm circling the table while bouncing the infant kind of helping these girls listen to each other speak to each other recognize when maybe their tone wasn't nice or whatever it is and I kind of was like wow I'm I'm literally circling them like some kind of coach but It was the first step in trying to teach them how to do it and with the goal of eventually I can back off and they'll be able to the second thing is when dinner was done I shared my feelings and I said listen we got to talk about cleaning up Tom and I your dad and I our, our feelings get hurt when we clean the house or you know make dinner for you guys or whatever and then there's a mess Because we worked really hard to create a clean safe space for you and it feels like you don't care when you throw your clothes on the floor and so what we want to do as a family is take care of this place together because this is all of our home so let's all share in the cleaning responsibilities so with that being said um, I said, we're, we're going to do this together to make this a place that's nice for us. So with that being said, how it played out is that, I mean, the kids, the kids were responsive. Um, when, when dinner was done, I said, all right, here we go. We're going to clean together. You know, if that, if you see a shirt on the floor, doesn't matter who it is, pick it up, say, Hey, so-and-so is this your shirt? Okay, great. Put it in a hamper. And then I kind of walked around and, and tried to help them with that. Um, And the kids seemed to like to look at it that way. There weren't big blowouts over, this is yours, that's mine, or if it was starting to go that way, we could kind of coach it. But everybody got into helping, and there was a lot of sweet moments of um, one of Tom's twins folding blankets for the toddler. Um, You know, the X Factor, who typically doesn't help clean up, did, you know, put... Put the toothbrushes back in the drawer, which, like, I didn't even tell her specifically to do that, but that's where they were supposed to be in the bathroom to create space. Like, she thought of doing that. I mean, literally, every single one of them was into it. They, it's like they, they responded to the structure and feeling like, okay, we're, we're not doing this because we're in trouble. We're doing this to take care of our home. And it, it was still a long night because they made a big mess. But at the end of it, I felt energized in that I, because I felt successful. It was one night. We have a long way to go, but instead of that night ending in multiple fights between our kids and between my partner and I, that night ended with the kids cleaning together, me not feeling, me not feeling like, okay, why did I just vacuum if they were going to do that? hopefully tom feeling that he had help while trying to serve the masses at dinner um and and it wasn't just like okay we're we're serving these kids all the time it was everybody's helping um and at the core of it is that it's it's the same thing i guess i found with teaching is that people want to feel like they are a part of a community that they have a voice and that they have a role in taking care of that community because it starts to become important to them And what's interesting is throughout all this cleaning, it created little moments of bonding. I was able to find a moment to say to one of Tom's twins, Hey, you know what? I think Cast, our son, (laughs) um, our new baby, has your eyes. The shape looks like yours. I think the color will eventually turn like yours. And I said this to her because she's into makeup, she's into making her eyes look a certain way, and I knew that that compliment would go a long way with her. Um, my oldest, who just was looking you know, for, for hugs, um, and and to be seen and to feel like she was part of a family, ended up writing a, a sweet note that she gave us. Um, one of Tom's other twins who, you know, started wrestling with the two-year-old and bonding that way there was all kinds of bonding that happened and then an interesting thing four of the kids or three of the three of the girls and then one and the toddler role played being parents and being a family almost like and I don't know I'm not a psychologist but that was a fascinating thing is that at the end of the night they were role playing being parents and it's like (laughs) you can dive into that all you want But what I'm taking away from it is that, okay, we're learning about family structures, but also it can be fun figuring out your place and figuring out your role. Um, Our problems aren't solved in one night, but I learned at the end of this night that there is a difference between toxic pain and passionate pain in that I know that what the the pain that I feel when I'm disconnected from Tom or the pain that I feel when I'm frustrated with my feelings of not connecting with my stepchildren or of being bothered by them or the pain that I feel of, you know, not being there for the children that I've known, you know, my biological children, all that pain, pain, like all of that is because I, I, I want to build something with all of them. I want to be close with all of them. And when I felt successful, even though it was just a small success of, hey, instead of Tom and I picking up the house, everybody cleaned. Even if it was just a seemingly small success of, hey, these two wrestled, they've never interacted. E- even if it just felt small, I felt energized by it. I was excited. I didn't feel drained. I mean, we're tired, but I didn't feel like, ugh, that wasn't worth it. I felt like, yes, all of this was absolutely worth the work it took to circle them, you know, and make sure they were cleaning the pain that I felt, the disconnect that I felt at times. All of this was worth it to me. And it's not always going to be this where we have to circle them. It's, it's we're building something. And we're starting with steps of, hey, this is how we clean together. This is how we speak to each other. And hopefully we can back off a little bit more. Um, and so I just wanted to share that because as we started in this podcast, we, we shared that we're figuring this out as we go. Um, and there's lots of things that I'm learning. If you take the time to listen to the things that your partner says and really take it to heart if you reflect on the things what do you already know how to do what are the parts of your life that you know how to do well maybe not all blended families are teachers but think about the skills that you have from whatever you do and the things that give you the the most passion from whatever you do and whoever you are and whatever you're capable of and find ways to bring that in because I felt like I had a place too then I felt like I feel when I teach, which is like I'm helping people find their voice and find their place, which is a passion of mine. And so I don't feel like I'm working at home and no, I don't want to spend every night doing that, but it was a first step. Um, And so I, I just wanted to share that um, it's, it's okay to feel pain. Um, It was something that I was afraid of before, and Tom kind of encouraged me to face it. Um, And sometimes it can be that breaking point, those tears that lead you to understand why you care and what you wanna do next. Um, People wanna feel seen, people wanna feel heard. And something, I think, in general, um, just to t- make this a bigger picture, just, you know, going off. And then I don't know if Tom is going to want to talk on this one or not. Um, nope. So I guess he's not. Um, so I'll just wrap up by saying, uh, you know, something as a whole I think we can do better at in this country is just making people feel like they belong. Um it's my opinion that an individualistic culture has taken over you know where we all sort of go into things with this mindset of i am an individual this is mine i have to do this by myself and it's hard for i think mainstream or individualism you know individualistic people to get that sense of belonging and that sense of care and um If you don't know what else to do, just allow yourself to feel some of those feelings. Allow yourself to feel the things that give you pain and then ask yourself when you try to work through it, do I feel like I'm getting energized by this or do I feel like it's toxic? And remember always to take it one step at a time.